Episode 6. Previously in Episode 5, Kynwin bonds with Alfgiva, a sweet Saxon seamstress, who is the victim of Odo's predation. And Tyrold, Kynwin's jongleur friend, arrives in Canterbury with ideas about how to design the tonsure. Their inspiration-seeking jaunt to a nearby ruined Roman villa turns ugly as Odo tries to assault Kynwin. He is forestalled by Queen Edith, and everyone sings the Song of Roland in defiance of Odo. Kynwin walks across the ruined villa, accompanied by Bardolf. Lady, are you well? Yes. Yes. I am better, Sir Bardolf. Just Bardolf, lady. So, the stitching. You are stitching. Yes. About to start. This piece of toil here is just what I need for the Queen's tonsure. I'm glad we found this place, despite... What are you stitching, lady? The story about the great battle that brought you all here, to England. Oh, uh, are we... And I'm drawing and writing, too, just a little. I cannot read the writing, my lady. It is a mystery to me what you do. But I do know something. What is that? That I will protect you always, lady. Wherever you are, I will protect you with my life. I swear it on our blessed St. George. Thank you, Bardolf. You are a true knight. So, Drosny, will you do something for me? After supper, Kynwin and Bardolf pour over scrolls at the abbey table. Here, this is the letter of your first name, B. Down stroke with a straight line, then two round curves like the curve of a swan. Write it for me. I cannot, Rotany. The quill is slippery and my fingers are too sick. Let me take your hand to guide you. Like this. What's this, Bard? Holding hands with the lady. Does the lady have best know? Why don't you go and boil your head? <laughs> Vito, quit poking Bard. Why don't you go see Elfgiver? Over there. Now go. Ignore them. You're doing well. Here, make the next letter. Ah. Ah, oui. I understand now. Merci beaucoup, lady. Spring weather promises fine fighting. 
William has returned from his bloody and violent campaign to stamp out the last of the Saxon rebellions in the north. He sets up temporary court in Canterbury and brings a special prisoner with him. Tynwin, the Lady Abbess, Father Nico, Queen Edith, Odo, and assorted courtiers and men-at-arms watch the spectacle. Lords, ladies, attend me well. What you see here before you is a grievous traitor. The Lord Morcar of Mercia. This revolt, Lord, this rebellion has been stamped out and you captured. What say you? Mercy, Majesty. What did he say? Mercy, Lord. I beg mercy for myself. I'm a family. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. So it's mercy you want. After your rebellion and defiance of my rule. On your knees. Here, war, the wake is defeated and all of England is mine. Say it. Hereward is escaped, and England is not yours. Your father lands our forfeit. Your brother is dead. Your cousin is hostage. Where from comes this defiance in the face of our Norman might? No. No. I will not bow to you. I would bow to Eustace, but never to you. Just then, Queen Edith moves calmly through the throng and stands between Morcar and Kynwin. Majesty, I would speak. Lady? We heard of your campaign to harry the North, Majesty. Of the grievous lessons given to our people. Men, women and children. We have heard and are greatly saddened. Lady Edith. Majesty, we would propose another way. After so much slaughter, so much suffering. A way of peace. Lady Edith, what is this? Majesty, we have for you, I have for you. A piece of a tonsure that I am creating for you. It was meant as a surprise, but you must know that we are recounting your legacy, your stories, even now. And? And the most gifted aspect of it is this woman, Morcar's cousin, Lady Kynwin of Drayton. Step forward, lady. Yes, Majesty? She... Father Nico and our beloved Churold have created a majestic tonsure that will bring peace to our country. It is a record of your valiant deeds and the deeds of your knights and your brother Earl Odo and those of Count Eustace, your most loyal ally. Go on. I beg you, in the name of that peace, to spare the life of Morcar for the love of this country and for the love of his cousin, Lady Kynwin, who is dear to me. Lady, I will consider this. Take him away, but carefully. 
Leave us. I would speak in private with Lady Edith. Well played, lady. Well played. I'm feeling generous today, so you will get your wish. I and all your subjects are grateful, Majesty. But here is my price, Edith. And the dispute between Odo and Eustace. By the time I return at midsummer, use any means necessary. I will not have two of my most loyal lords at odds with each other while the English ravage us. Back at the abbey, Turold, Vital, and his men-at-arms are on horseback, ready to ride out for Dover Castle. The seamstresses gather round. Havgiva hands a handkerchief, embroidered with the letters A and V intertwined, over Cupid's bow. Here, Vital, a, a token for you to remember me by. I will cherish it, mon coeur, and return to you swiftly. Sir Chirold, this is unexpected. Must you leave so soon? I must do as I'm bid, my queen. Lady Edith requests one more service from me. Then I may retire to my lands in Hertfordshire. But there was so much else to discuss. Father Nico needs your advice on the final designs before we can begin stitching. I need you. I trust your skill, Drottning, and Father Nico's knowledge. Worry not, God has told me that Lady Edith will lead you all to something beyond you or me. A talisman, a relic, a token of joy. Come back to me soon, dearest friend. Soon, I promise. Till we meet again, ma chérie. Adieu. Goodbye, my friend. Some days pass, and in the abbey workroom, the windows are open, and the room is bathed in sunshine. Vital narrates the beginning of the battle. Horses charge. Archers let loose their arrows. Lancers attack. Charges, countercharges. The shield wall holds firm. Retreats, attacks, all as the sun wheels overhead in the sky. And finally, the hand of God. The arrow that kills King Harold. That afternoon, Kynwen and Elfgiva, her newborn baby swaddled to her chest, bend over a linen strip. That's beautiful, Elfgiva. 
King William's crown at the coronation looks royal indeed. He will be best pleased. Thank you, lady. You must be so relieved at your cousin's pardon. We received a message from him today, from Normandy. He misses the fighting and the swiving, but he is resigned to life as a privileged prisoner. Trotning, I would tell you something. Sir Vital has spoken to Father Nico and the Lady Abbess. Yes? What about? Vital wants to give my baby his name, to make me a whole woman again. We are to be wed on the feast day of St. Edburger, just before Midsummer's Day. Elfgiefer, that is wonderful news. I am overjoyed. Please give my congratulations and blessings to Sir Vital. I will. Thank you, Drotning. Just then, the sounds of stamping hooves and jingling harnesses tumble into the tonsure workroom. Drotning, it is your lord, the handsome one. Who? What? Hello? Lord Drayton <laughs> has returned at last. Here, here. What is all this? It's Lord Drayton, with a wagon full of birds. Lena, harsher of visage but more confident, Thurston dismounts and starts to unload his wagons. My lady Abbess. Well met. I'm here at last, with gifts and tokens from faraway lands. This is for you, lady. I thought of you while in Byzantium. Lord Drayton, you have brought the light with you. This necklace of amber is very fine indeed. I thank you. It is my pleasure, mother. And Father Nico, I picked this particularly fine bird for you. And I hope you train it to your hand, if it's to your liking. Oh, thank you, Lord Thurston. That is most generous. My lord, well met. You were gone such a very long time. So much has happened. And with me as well. Lady. Three weeks earlier, Thurston and King William ride on horseback in the forests near Rouen, falcons on their wrists, while beaters walk in front of them to flush game. <laughs> I am well pleased, Thurston. Well pleased indeed. I received the other birds you sent, but this one is magnificent. I can see why you couldn't part with it right away. Oh, Guillaume, you can't imagine the land where I found him. The country of the Kazakh is wild with mountains and people strange and fantastic. I was told that only a Kazakh could be master to a hunting eagle, but I did it. I, and they said it could not be done. <laughs> so... What is weighing on you, mon frère? You are my lord and my friend, Guillaume, and I would not imperialize a one. Speak freely. Isabel will not return to me, lord. I visited her in Bayeux, at the abbey she built with her own money, and beseeched her to return to me, but she refused. 
I had such hopes when we first married, but now... If I could train this most magnificent bird from the most savage land, why can't I entice my own wife? Fate has been kind to me, Thurston. Matilda and I are like hawk and master, strong, disciplined, certain in what we do. I trust her with my life and my kingdom. But this, this bond, is most uncommon. That I know. But how do I make a marriage work when, when my woman has run away? There was nothing I could do, Moi, about her unhappiness. She burst the babe, but had no interest in it, in him. Then she left us. And the truth is, she is too far above me, something she has never let me forget. That is not what I intended when I arranged the match. Mais mon frère, there is more. Isabel talked to me of annulment. Quoi? Odo has said that he would grant it. But then my son would be a... a... My apologies, Lord. Batar, you mean. A bastard, like me. Yes, I can see your point. Ah, oh, Dieu. You wish... You wish to marry again, not just take a concubine. Oh, well, well then, Thurston, women are not birds to be trained, more's the pity, life would be simpler if they were, no? <laughs>